Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by WhoElseBetOnline.ag. And look, it is July right now. The NBA Finals, it's almost done. The NHL playoffs, it's over. But guess what? There's plenty of baseball marquee matchups to get your prop bets, your futures, and get all those odds in. And where else to go than Bet Online for all your information needs? Head to the website right now because if you go on your mobile device, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off face-off, or more importantly, the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today bet online your online sportsbook experts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming into the pod i'm so excited to have this guest we've been kind of connecting a little bit over the holiday on linkedin i absolutely love his videos that he's posting right now his name is david karasek i just want to get this right he is a sports psychologist peak performance specialist he's the founder of the tribe of athletes the creator of the powerful athlete program he's a motivational speaker and oh yeah he just so happens to be an olympian performing in the 2012 London Olympic Games as a swimmer. David, thank you so much for joining the pod and taking the time. How are you today? Hey, thanks for having me on. As I said, we're cruising. We're in Zurich here. I'm in Zurich, cruising into the weekend already, nine hours ahead of LA. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. It's good to speak to you. Yeah, great to speak with you. And look, you're the first international guest that I've had on the podcast before. So yeah, I know we can all just, we can mark it down right now. We all remember exactly where we were. But yeah, as we were talking before we started this pod here, man, you have so many different things going on right now, but I hear from my listeners all the time, they really love to just kind of hear a quick little journey, a quick little backstory of, you know, you know, growing up, your love of swimming, that whole process, that journey, playing in the Olympics, and then obviously what you're doing right now. Can you kind of give us a quick rundown of just your journey to the point that you are here today? Yeah, sure. So you know how they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? Yes. That- Definitely the case in my family because my dad was a swimmer. So it was, he took my brother, my sister, and I, you know, I'm the oldest, took us to swimming. And I, I really, I liked it. I enjoyed doing it. Um, but I got to tell you, I'm 33 years old now. And I swam up to when I was 26. And I was very unaware of what was going on in my life. Like things worked out well in swimming because I made it to the Olympics. I didn't win a medal, but it, I was happy. And I went into, yeah. 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 But still, you know, you could argue, and especially you Americans, you know, like you win, you win gold, you go for gold. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, front running is great and everything, but the fact that you, you made it to that, that level, that professional level, I think is, I think that just speaks for itself personally. Yeah. But I was lucky because I was surrounded by good environment. I, I told you, I went to the university of Virginia And, you know, like that's when my performance really got better because before 2008, so I went there from 2008 to 2012, that was the Olympic cycle. And that's when I got a lot better because it was all about the team because before I saw swimming as an individual sport, right? It was all, all about me and all that. And then all of a sudden I got to the States and things changed. And that's why I think America is so successful at sports that that mindset, it's just like, it's in the blood. It's passed on from generation to generation and i i love that that's that was a blessing that i could come over there for sure that's amazing and so we dive dive a little bit deeper into that real quick so mm-hmm. when you talk about the team aspect i mean i understand the individual individual pursuit because there's so many sports i feel like tennis golf uh swimming i guess we can probably put in that category even in some regards basketball because a lot of the times in the summertime you're just putting reps and hours in the gym by yourself shooting jump shot after jump shot so what was it about coming over to the states like 
what did what pick what jumped out to you from that team aspect that really kind of opened up your eyes to to how you can change your performance I got a very good story and it didn't jump it, it jumped at me like like a wild animal so what happened was about like three months into the training as my first first year in America we had to swim the whole team had to swim a really hard set and it was hard because you know you have the yard pool 25 yards we train in a 50 meter pool and that's like more than twice as long so for me coming to the states i wasn't used to taking so many turns and we swam a 30 minute set where you weren't allowed to breathe into the wall and out of the wall and for me that was that was pure pain and i couldn't do it and after 20 minutes i kind of gave up i continued to swim but i just took a breath in and out of the wall and when we were done, he let everybody finish, the coach, and he, then he starts yelling. He's like, David Karasek came all the way from Switzerland, and he thinks he's something better than you. He started cheating after 20 minutes, so what we're going to do is he's going to get out, stand on the ball caddy, he's going to watch you do the set again. And I had to get out, and I felt so bad, and they had to do a whole freaking set again, the 30 minutes of pain, and I had to stand there and watch, and every time he passed me, because he was walking back and forth, he's like, see, that's how we do it, you pussy. This is how America does it. And, you know, at the time I felt terrible, but then in, in the locker, it dawned on me. It's like, wow, this is beautiful. They actually give a shit what you do. They hold you accountable. And all of a sudden it was about something bigger than just me. And you couldn't have a guy from Switzerland just, you know, doing whatever the hell he wanted because you had 70 other people who were pulling into one direction. And that was like, ooh. And so it, it came to me, but I, it, it clicked. The light bulb went off. And there's a balancing act, right, where I, 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 I like to hit on this a whole lot. Like, you know, growing up playing sports for me, obviously I love playing the game, right? I love winning. I love performing. I love all that stuff. But it really was that team collaboration that I've personally always really enjoyed. You know, I have this background in comedy, and you think that it is such an individual endeavor. You know, you think of stand-up, and you're just writing jokes. You're just trying to tell the joke. You are just trying to be funny. But what I learned from sports was there's so many different ways to collaborate on a team. And if you can take the piece that you're good at and pair it with the piece that someone else is good at, and it all kind of comes together. You still have to be the individual, but it all kind of fits into this recipe that can turn into something really beautiful. And I, I, I thank sports for kind of teaching me that. And maybe that's kind of at that point where you're able to maybe find that balance a little bit. Yeah, and I also uh, it's music in my ears, what you're saying, right? And I think sports, like we, if you do a sport, if you're an athlete, if you're a coach, you're, I think, in a very privileged position because you can learn about all these things, about yourself, about your teammates, about how stuff works, how to play the part in the team, and everything, all those nuances, you learn them, you can experiment, and you're playing a game, you know, and then you take all these skills and you kind of, you, you transfer them to other areas of life, but that's, it's a privilege to be able to try these and you get like immediate feedback, almost immediate, you know, like because you're always being measured, which is pretty cool because you know what works and what doesn't. The audience clap, you know, cheering and stuff. That's immediate, you know, that's immediate feedback too as well. Yeah, yeah. So privileged position and lo lovely that you say that as well, that with sports. What did you play when you were younger? So when I was growing up, I mean, I played everything. You know, I loved, I loved basketball. I was mostly basketball, baseball, and golf. I was really good at golf at a young age, but I had to kind of quit early on because I just I didn't have the maturity from a competitive standpoint to be able to handle all the failure that comes along with golf. You know, I was the guy that would throw my club into a bush if I didn't make the putt. You know what I mean? I was yeah. the guy who would sulk off the green heading towards the next hole. And I'll be honest, I didn't really like myself. You know what I mean? Like I didn't like the person that I had become. 
I can play golf now and it's I'm terrible and it's beautiful. You know what I mean? And I'm totally fine with that. Basketball, I was a little bit slower. I was a little bit heavier. So I had skills. I loved playing the game. I knew how to play. I just didn't have the physical traits. And then baseball, I was a catcher. And that was where I could really kind of use my mind to sort of control the game a little bit, think a couple steps ahead. I do think baseball is very much a thinking man's game. When people watch it, it's very slow. But there are so many different moves that you do or do not make that can kind of affect the outcome, if you will. And then the other interesting thing that I learned was coming up in the entertainment industry, we're talking about how sports has helped us with you know, structure, rules, learning the concept of winning and losing without maybe necessarily an actual consequence that affects our real lives. Once you become a professional, of course, that changes. But when I talk to comedians and stuff, there are plenty of those actors that grew up hating sports. And now, look, I'm not going to be in opposition to them, but I talked to them, you know, why didn't you like sports? But what I did find out was what they did was they still got exposed to sports. The fact that they realized that they didn't like it, they were able to then kind of rebel against that and then become an individual or learn how to express themselves in different ways. So one way or another, sports did kind of inform the person that they wanted to become. That information just turned out to be, I don't like sports. I'm going to learn how to do something else. And I always found that interesting as well. So what we're saying is everybody in school has to do sports. And if you don't like it, at least it'll help you. Yeah. yeah that's and that's what I, and I've asked this question before on the pod to the listeners that are listening. Now I've asked this question before because sports plays a huge role in a child's life whether they like sports or not. It's okay if you don't like sports, but you do have to be exposed, I think, to maybe, like you said, that team atmosphere, the process of competition, understanding what a structure is to the game to achieve a certain goal of some level. And if that isn't for you, then you can find a different way to, to, to go about it. I mean, I, I, I think sports as a child, and the best part that brings us all together is that we all did it, right? We've all had to play sports as a kid. That's one of our few similarities in a world where, unfortunately, we're finding more differences than we are similarities, you know? Yeah. And also now with the similarities, I mean, the, the sport a lot. We had the Euro World Cup in, in soccer. Yes. You guys call it soccer. We call it football. But, I mean, that brings people together as well. And then it's cool, you know, even if you don't like it, but you, at least you played the game. You kind of know. And, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, sports is uh, – Besides the physical exercise, oh, there, there's a lot to, yeah, it's, it's part of, it's thankfully part of our culture. I mean, especially in America, right? And you guys also try, you have like winter sports, summer sports or summer camp and all, right? We don't really have that here so much, but um, yeah, yeah, just in general. Yeah, I think we're getting more into specialized sports where I think the kids are playing less a variety and playing just one thing more and more, which is getting really focused. But I do want to ask you, because I think we're getting around to something also. With the Summer Olympics coming up, I mean, I do want to kind of get your take on, you know, there's anticipation. Obviously, there's still some trepidation because the world isn't exactly the way that we want it to be right now. But, you know, you're eight years removed from the Olympics. Do you still get that feeling? I mean, is your body still on a clock where, like, do you feel it in your legs a little bit or is that kind of kind of come and gone for you? So it's coming because we have – I have clients who are there. Okay. Right? So, so, so it's not like – not that directly, but I, I just think like, you know, when you look at what's going on for them right now at the moment, probably is, or at least it was for me is like in the beginning when you're like half a year away or three months away, a lot of the, the work that you do, is like physical, 99% physical and a little bit mental. I mean, 1% mental, but I mean, your, your mindset has to be good, but like the focus is on the physical work. And as you get closer and now we're a couple of days out, 
this starts to change, right? So it's becoming more and more mental because you're resting. You can't like one day before the competition, you cannot get more cardio or more strength or anything. anything. So it's like, at the end, it's like 1% physical and it's 99% mental. And I think that's where it becomes really interesting because a, a lot of people, they have like too much excitement, too much energy. And then it kind of goes towards worry and doubt and maybe anxiety and they're falling to the level of training or below and for others that you know have mastered the mental game they use that excitement and they use it to for more focus for more strength for more cardio like michael phelps right he swam world records in the olympics in the final of the olympics and i gotta tell you that's where america is really really good at because i know a lot of european swimmers and they buckle under pressure where the americans they cruise through the heats they do all right in the semifinal and then boom when when it counts you know they they bring it and i think it's those mental skills it's got to be you got to learn it unless you're like a natural i'm sure there are but that's got to be a learned practice right i mean i and i think it might be something that you never truly master right i mean i think that's something that you always have to kind of continuously daily sort of work at just like you would a physical sport Keep right. getting those mental reps to try and stay as mentally sound as you can. What kind of th- what kind of challenges do you think some of these athletes have gone through? You like you talked about, you're on a four year cycle, right? And you're at that six months, you're at that three months, and then you know the world changes and everything gets moved over and everything gets postponed. What does that do for an athlete who's on a very very specific clock like an Olympic athlete's on? What I would say here is that because it's a competition and you're competing against everybody else, it's the same for everybody. Cool. Right? So when you think about it, it's like, okay, it, that happened, can't change it. So then it's the same for everyone too. And that makes it really easy to rationalize away, kind of just say, well, I can't change it. It is what it is. And the people that just kind of forget it fast and move and focus again on where they want to go, which is a year later or whatever, I think that that would be like the advantage, right? But that's a cool thing. It's the same for everybody. It's not like, that only one team was informed, you know, a couple of months before that, oh, it's only in a year. It's the same for everyone. When you look back at 2012, when you competed, you were just talking about some of the the mental aspects that goes into performance, especially at the Olympics. When you look back at what your preparation method was on the mental side back then to what you've learned and what you've implemented now into your life, is there anything that you look back and you go, mm, I, I wish I had, I had done this or, hey, I was on the right track with something. You know, I just maybe I'm, I've maybe matured into a little bit more now in the present. Well, that's what I meant in the beginning. I was, Joey, I was completely unaware of any like ment- mental powers and all that. Really, I, I just found that out three years ago when somebody started to wake me up to that. You know, I was like, Wow. And I, I guess there's a lot of things I wish I knew, but one, the biggest thing is this. When I was a child, I did have the dream of Olympic gold. But in Switzerland, you know, the people didn't laugh at me in my face, but they were telling me that there's more important things like school and, you know, we'll get you sorted out here. We'll see later about the Olympics and all that. So as a child, you know, they told me not to daydream, be realistic, be an adult and all these things. And so I kind of forgot about my, not kind of, I forgot about my Olympic dream. And I started to set goals along, like what's realistic for me, what I think is realistic for me. So, you know, in small increments. And for me, it was really, I became Swiss champ. Then I said, I want to make it to the Euro champs. And I did that. 
then I want to make it to the world champs. And I did that. And then my coach actually told me, why don't we go to try to go to the Olympics? I was like, yeah, cool. Why not? Like, let's do it. Yes. So I, and I went there, but it all manifested just, you know, what I thought I got. And I think that that's something that I would encourage everybody, you know, who's listening and, and, and all the young athletes and the older athletes to have a dream, to know where you want to go and, and not to sell yourself short and, you know, believe or listen to what other people say because they, they don't know what was the realistic job uh when you were growing up that you thought you might end up uh doing for the rest of your life take a guess i mean i was gonna say like accountant or something business banking uh, banking. <laughs> banking here in zurich in switzerland you know banking is not that bad i you know the, the programming that i had after swimming was like all right because at the university of virginia all my classmates i was studying business all my classmates over the summer while i was training they were going to new york to goldman sachs bank of america jp morgan you know working 80 hours and making money and doing all these things and i was like oh my god i'm so far behind and when i was done with swimming i thought i gotta catch up catch up right and uh, then i got into banking yeah first i applaud the so many people that that put the hours into i mean i i think about this a lot you know there are there are differences in life i live in a different category i've probably put in more hours into labors of love you know what i mean without payment and all that stuff or maybe low payment or maybe hopeful for future payment than i probably have done actual things for payment and i think about you know, there, there are some people that have really great jobs in this world that pay really, really well. And I know that there's a lot of listeners out there maybe being envious of those people. But also remember that they might not be the most happy people either doing those jobs. And they still have those dreams. We're on the other side of the fence. People that do chase their dreams are always looking at the other people with money. It's always that funny looking across the fence kind of game. Yeah, I agree. But I think it's a beautiful story when we start to tell ourselves that we can we can do what we love and we can make a lot of money because you know what, what you do, what I do is like being in service of others. And if you're rendering good service, you know, maybe, you know, you're not making a lot of money in the beginning, but if you keep, keep doing that, you know, it will, it'll spread. And so I think it's a, it's an empowering story to not just say, well, we can either have money or fulfillment because we can have it both. Right. And when we look at that possibility, you know, that opens the door and, you know, it's some extra fuel, you know, to really go for it because it's worth it. Yeah, I've been trying to pay attention to a lot of stuff over this past year now that I've started to do this about, like you just said, serving your community, you know, trying to the people don't worry about how big your audience is. Worry about serving the audience that enjoys listening to you and continue to try and bring them interesting thing and bring on interesting people like David Karasek. And then the other one is if you love something so much, chances are you have a great opportunity to be an expert at it or get really really good at it because you love it so much so that there's a way to kind of chase that i do want to ask you talk to us a little bit about founder of uh, tribe of athletes because this sounds a little bit kind of along those lines of of one of your passions going on right now yeah can i add one more thing to what oh, you just yeah. said there's you know i have this one of my limiting beliefs that i just have and realize that i have now because i was helped kind of to to see it is like i'm not good enough right so that's been like a theme throughout my life, always having to do more. I can work 10, 12 hours and still, oh, what else can I do? Mm. And I think with, in, in the online business now also, I'm, I was so conditioned to look at how many subscribers, how many people saw this, right? But that's, it's like not the type of thinking that you want because it's motivated out of I'm not good enough. 
Yes. And I'll just say it. It's kind of bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, and that too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But if you put all that energy that you're wasting on, or I'm wasting on how many views, how many likes and all that into how do I really serve? I think that's in the last couple of months that has really, I've grown from that. And as an entrepreneur, you know that, right? Like there's a lot to grow. There's a lot to learn also about yourself. And I think, so that's been like one of the, just putting the focus on how do I serve these people who really want it the most, instead of like chasing numbers and, and, and that. Yeah. And, and obviously for everyone out there, just so you know, the numbers are definitely a certain way where they can, um, they can be manipulated just a little bit. And the numbers also, you have to ask yourself how many of those people are actually true followers and true absorbers of the content of information that's going out there. I think about that all the time. I do want to ask you about the founder, the tribe of athletes in a second, but you just said something that was really interesting. Uh, the concept, the concept of not good enough. And, uh, this is on the lighter side, but I'm dying to know, um, six pack abs overrated, totally worth it. Or, I mean, was it fun? Was it fun having a six pack? Cause I've never had it before. My, my waist has, has been not good enough my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> just tell me it, it just impart on me. Is it fun it, or is it a miserable experience trying to keep that six pack? I, I didn't have a six pack when I was swimming and I think I'm doing better now, but it's more like a four pack or something. <laughs> so, you know, I guess that's so individual. Right? But for me, when I was swimming, I actually had a little bit of a belly and I was <laughs> not like your typical, you know, I had the wide shoulders and all that, but I had a little bit fat going on. And Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. I mean, I just had to, I, I love to exercise. I still exercise. I'm doing Pilates and stuff. I just had to tell myself a long time ago because I really went for it a couple of times in my 20s. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get that damn six pack. It's going to happen. Yeah. And I'll tell you, dude, I was miserable in the process of trying to do it, just the dieting and everything. And I just wasn't really living the life that I wanted to live. And so I made the choice. I said, you know what? Happy life uh, with a healthy life, but no six pack. You know what I mean? It just isn't, it just isn't going to happen for me. And like, and yeah. that's, and that's okay. And uh, you know, I think some people will always try and strive to have like that perfect physique or that perfect body. And it just might not happen. You know, your body yeah. might look great just the way it kind of is, as long as you're healthy and exercising and trying to eat reasonably well. Yeah. And you know what, what you're saying is, oh, with the life quality, it's, it, it's so good. Also, when I transitioned out of swimming, I got into MMA and I took it so seriously. You know, I, I, I was way too old to do any competitions or to like be a threat to anybody, but I was still in that. I'm not good enough. I got to go and, and, you know, do, do, do. And I couldn't relax, man. If somebody beat me, I, I got home and I, I couldn't, I couldn't relax. And I was, it drove me crazy until I realized, well, that's all driven out of, I'm not good enough. And I just got to like chill out a little bit. I'm not competitive anymore. And then, you know, I could be calm. I didn't feel guilty anymore for not going to practice. And, and then life quality took off again. What did you enjoy most about MMA? I mean, was it strictly for the competition or did you love the technique and form or did you like the adrenaline of just being nose to nose with somebody in a ring? Well, I just, I just had to do something. And I, so I never competed in MMA. I competed in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is without, you know, it's just grappling, yes. like wrestling, grappling. Um, I just wanted to do something and I went to try out and I loved it. And I, you know, there's a full body, you know, movement, right? You use cardio, strength, uh, technique. It's everything. It's human chess, kind of. So I, I just liked all the aspects of it. 
Um, talk to me about the uh, being the founder for Tribe of Athletes. You know, just tell the listeners what Tribe of Athletes is and what you're trying to accomplish with that. Yeah, so what we do is we help athletes and their coaches together master their journey to mental greatness, right? And as you say, we probably never really arrive. Um, but I've just seen, I've just realized in the last three years and how my life has changed when I woke up to the power that we have. And I, I tell you what the guy, how he woke me up, okay? He said to me, I was like an older guy here in Zurich. And he told me that, look around you, everything that is not green and grown by mother nature, we human beings, we create it. Because this pen existed as somebody's idea, just as a thought first. And with time, it moved into physical form. The microphone that we're using, just an idea first, and now we moved it into physical form. Michael Jordan, he had a dream to be the best basketball player in the world. And with time, he moved it into physical form. And he got the rings and, and so on, right? And when I heard that, and he's like, you can create the life that you love, the career that you love. You're a creator. And I was like, wow, what a concept. You know, I never, you know, I always thought I have to do this, that. And, and yeah, when I woke up to that and I started reading books, got a lot of coaching, and then I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to pass that on. And because my life has changed beyond what I ever could have imagined, right? I love that. Bring it into physical form. Because people talk about, you know, manifesting or, you know, putting it out in the universe and everything. And that sounds well and good. But that final component of bringing that into physical form, I find that to be I find that to be really powerful. You know, from the entertainment side, I as we mentioned, you know, we grew up playing sports and I, I grew up with a very ultra competitive side that I had to learn to kind of curb over time. And there's a level that you want to be a perfectionist with everything that you do. Of course, everyone wants everything to be perfect and the presentation to be awesome. I don't want to say, um, or I mean, or kind of, you know, every once in a while, but sometimes I do and that's okay. But the whole point for me creatively was to the way that I say it is let it exist. I just want it to exist. The people out there that write the screenplay or have the idea for the great movie or sketch or painting or whatever it is, just let it exist. Don't worry about it. Well, it's not ready yet. It's, I can't do it right now. This isn't the time to do, no, no, no. Let it exist out in the world. Bring it into the physical form and then let the world decide, you know, it not necessarily it's worth, but you know, you'll be surprised when something happens, you create something, you let it out in the world, nothing happens, but six or seven years later, it comes back around and all of a sudden people are paying attention to that. So I always try and let people know that like, just do it, man. Just let it exist. Let it be out there in the world. And, and you will be so much happy for it, even if it does have a couple of flaws here and there. Yeah. How did you how did you learn all that? Just as did you learn as you went or did you have coaches in, in that area? Or how did you learn all that? Well, I there was a couple things. I got into acting and comedy later, like when I was 17 or 18. I was always kind of the funny guy. I was already like making movies and stuff on my own on the side, but being really coy about it and being really quiet about it. And I had some friends in high school basically drag me onto a stage. Like literally, I, I auditioned for something one time and my good friend uh, Bree, Brianna, she... I was not going to go the call back the next day. She showed up at my house at 8 a.m. and picked my ass up and drove my ass back to the callback. And I didn't want to go. And I got the role and I was on stage and it went great. You know what I mean? And I tried to learn from those experiences. And in comedy, you're on stage a lot. Jokes aren't always going to go great. You yeah. know what I mean? 
And the funny part was we would write sketch comedy. So it wasn't like always made up brand new every single night. It was the same sketch, but in front of a different audience. And what we began to learn was one night it could be the funniest joke you've ever told in your life. And the next night it could be quiet, like crickets in the room. And you start asking yourself the question, why is the joke bad? Do I blame the audience? Do I blame myself? When really it's just more about like, it's just about putting it out there. I just try to learn to just just do things and have them out there and have them exist. And it just really kind of helped me get out of, I think, a fear of putting myself putting myself in a vulnerable place, putting myself in a place where someone could make fun of me. I've written plays before, and I've gotten D-minus reviews in newspapers. And instead of being mad at myself or being mad at the reviewer, being mad at the thing that I wrote, it's just kind of more of a fuck it mentality. Just, you know what I mean? Just... It exists. It lives. Move on. Do something else. Learn from it. Be better. And I've, I'm a big believer, too, of like, I'm happy with my failures. I think my failures prepare me for success maybe more sometimes than my successes prepare me for success. Does that make any sense to you? Do you ever Have you ever had a moment where, like, maybe a failure or something that you look back on, you're like, man, I really, I'm so glad that happened to me because it prepared me for something bigger and more important. Yeah, I mean relationships for example with for me like with women when i got out of it at the moment or she got out of it it's like oh my god all right this this is the end of my life and they prepared it set it up for me to meet my girlfriend now that i'm probably if she's not here i'm probably gonna marry and all that so you know it's there's a, i think there's a lot of it but what we should i think have is like when we fail we should learn from it and move on, as you said, right? You said that beautifully, like have a short-term memory for that. Learn from it, yes, but don't let it let it come again and again and again. Don't let it rule your life, right? Focus on what you want, learn from that and, and move on. And I, I, there's another one too that this one, I don't know how I came across this. It kind of sort of dawned on me, but I got, uh, I got married three years ago. So I got married when I was, yeah, 34, 35, you know, a little bit later, a little bit later down the road, right? And what I kind of started noticing was I learned, I came up with the mantra of like, well, at least I'm figuring out what I don't want in a relationship. Right. But I think people sometimes it gets a little like lost in the shuffle of like everyone figures out the perfect partner for themselves and, and all that stuff. And it gets lost and it's kind of the wrong way to approach it where I just didn't want to bring my bad habits from previous things that didn't work out into new opportunities and I try and look at that, too, as well, when I'm doing anything, whether it's business or my relationships or my friendships or whatever it is, is I don't want to bring bad habits of stuff that didn't work out previously into new opportunity. I want to treat every new opportunity as fresh as I can. It really like frees me up from judgment of not just myself, but like others, too, as well. And I think that's what my problem was. I was bringing my bad habits from previous ex-girlfriend into new girlfriend and I was getting the same result and I was like scratching my head like, oh, like, I wonder why that's happening. And it was because I was bringing in all my my baggage, all my crappy expectations from previous. And when I let that go and I met, you know, the love of my life, it kind of worked out. And I was like, oh, yeah. you know, so happy for you. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's a high level of awareness. What you're what you're describing here. And I, you know, we do sometimes we do intuition readings because I also work with artists and, and in the creative orientation and we do intuition readings. And the first thing when you want to be more intuitive that you have to do kind of is to let go of all the assumptions and and, and you have to let go of what you think, you know. 
because that you're putting yourself and everything else in, into a box and intuition is not in a box. And the way we often, we call it innocence, in no sense, going in a state of like, imagine a child walking through a forest. It will see the ants. It will see like the leaves, the wind. It will be fascinated by everything. Whereas we walk through the forest, if we're not aware, and we just categorize, oh, we've seen that, that tree, we know. Oh yeah, that river, we know. And we just don't even look what it really is, right? And, and intuition, you have to look for these small things. And I think that, you know, what you just said, you leave your old habits. And in intuition, it's like you forget what you think you know, and you're open then to what, what it really is. And I think that's powerful. Yeah, and I just, I'm just very thankful that it happened for me at that particular time because it really opened me up and, it, and I found a great relationship, you know what I mean? And I got married and I'm on the course and my life has changed because of it. And I'm just really thankful. I want to ask you, and part of the reason I wanted to really bring you on is, first of all, I love your Q&As um, that you're posting. I, I see them via LinkedIn, so maybe they can be found in other social media outlets that you're going to have to let the listeners know about. But a like uh, I think you get some great questions from um, from some of your listeners and some of your followers. I think that's really cool. But I just really love your perspectives, and I kind of want to maybe start here. Is you know what do you see? What do you see for people? I mean, we could talk about athletes specifically, but I just I'm just kind of asking myself some questions of what the challenges that we have faced the last year and a half. And I'm just kind of curious, you know, how long do you think we're going to continue to have to work through some of the traumas and some of the things that we've had to experience during that time? And because is this going to is this a is this a process that is going to take a long time? I mean, I don't think this is just flip a switch and we all go back to normal. Right. I mean, this is this is going to take a while. You know, what is your perspective on some of the challenges that are going to face us moving forward mentally over the next couple of years? Yeah. Wow. Very, very good question. So I, I got to tell you for my personal experience, when that COVID thing first started happening, I was so, I was focused on the wrong things and I made it a huge, you know, when you read the news, for example, every day and you see all the bad news, it, it really primes your brain and you can't help, even though you know that it's, it's the news, and, but, but still you, you're like, it's in your energy somehow. Right? And when I worry about what is going on, I go in that state of looking at what could go wrong and so on. So what I really try to do, I just, I'm not saying like I'm not looking at reality, what it is out there, but when I'm so focused at work and again, focused on serving others, helping others, then it, it, you know, I'm not really, really like catching up with the numbers that much because it, it's, it kind of falls out of the picture if I'm not watching the news and I'm focused on having a good conversation with you and coaching and adding value and all these things and running my business. That's what I do. And that's where my focus is. And on the side, I see a little bit what's going on. But yeah, I'd probably take a while, right? I also saw, you know, drug deaths is at an all time high in the, in the US just came out. I saw it's, yeah, it's sad, but um, focus on, on what you want on, on the good things. Yeah, I, I completely agree because I did the exact same thing. I, I my Maybe my intuition at the time, maybe it was false or not, was I have to know everything about this, right? Like I have yeah. to – I'm, I'm, I'm a smart citizen. I need to learn everything about not just what this is but everything that's going on politically and internationally and all this other stuff, and I really absorbed myself in it because – 
and look, I, I don't want to put down people. I don't want to put down people that want to be informed. If you if you want to do that, that's great. I think just for me personally, and maybe what you're talking about was, it was like, hey man, I gotta. We all as individuals have to serve our community, but to do that, we have to be good individuals. And for me personally, it was more of what you were talking about is just trying to like, hey, I want to walk out of this as mentally sound as I possibly can. And you know what? Like, I mean, David, you were already doing your business and focusing on those things before this. You know what I mean? So why, you know, it, for people that say, you know, it's not ignorance is bliss, in my opinion. It's you just really focusing on what you can control. And, 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 when, and when we do hopefully, you know, break free of this or go back to a little bit more of a normal, we need David Karasek running on full cylinders, which is running his business and helping athletes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think... I think that's definitely a, a process that kind of needed to needed to happen, and I I do I do wonder if people who are informing themselves, I, I just hope that they have enough perspective to be able to step away and give themselves a break, and also try and live a life of happiness. Because I'm I'm hoping that that's what's happening. Because there's a lot of just there's a lot of tough news out there to read on the daily basis. It can it can take a toll. Yeah. And when you go and investigate, right, that's it's a freaking rabbit hole. Like you, you can go into dark places of what's going on politically and, 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 you know, you never know the truth. It's like somewhere in between. But how are you going to know? Right. You're not seeing everything. You just but what I one of the concepts that I introduce um, probably everybody to is like breaking this cycle, because this is what the masses are doing. The masses are looking at the present results that they're getting or at the circumstances and that causes them to have thoughts these thoughts cause feelings and these feelings produce actions okay but the starting point is the present results or what the circumstances are and we want to break that cycle and have a new starting point and the new starting point you know how they say Tony Robbins the giant within the or the personal power or when they say the, the spiritual world that we are powerful is like your new starting point can now be your thoughts okay when you're relaxed because you can think what you want Joey thinks what he wants maybe not when you're skydiving or bungee jumping because then you're like kind of reacting and but when you're relaxed and calm you can think what you want, right? You close your eyes and you think. So the starting point is your thoughts that you choose. Then these thoughts cause feelings. These feelings cause actions. And then these actions produce results. And then you can start, you can do that all over again. But it's a different, it, the starting point is your thoughts as opposed to your current results or your circumstances. And I think this, the, the, the pandemic is, is a good example to just say, stop. Let me not look at what's going on outside. Let me decide what I want. And make that my starting point. Yeah, and like recognize maybe what station you are at in that process. Or you know, maybe I'm in. Maybe right now I'm in the feeling stage, right? And what do I want to do with those feelings? Do they automatically need to lead towards actions? And in some cases, these actions have been getting in a Facebook fight. On, I, on, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I, that's you know that's and then that's been what's so kind of difficult about this time. And we're all separated from each other, but we're all still online. But is that the true human connection of interaction? You know, I don't know. A lot can get lost. What a good example. You know, take the starting point, your circumstances. Then you have thoughts, bad thoughts about different, different views on COVID. Feelings get into a Facebook fight. That's your result. The other thing was, what do I really want? Which is create a, uh, you know, a lovely podcast. 
and then move into action with that, right? Wow, that, that's a very good example because that Facebook fight, that definitely happened to me in the beginning, man. Oh, I definitely did it. And then I started asking myself, you know what I want? I want to still have a relationship with this family member in five years. So I'm not going to do this thing right now because maybe five years from now, I'll still have that relationship. In your opinion, do you have any, you know, for people that for people out there right now dealing with maybe some anxieties, uncertainties, whether they are mental, financial, whatever, and they wake up maybe feeling a little weird or, you know, having a hard time getting started with their day. Does that ever happen to you? And if it does, do you have any mantras, methods, principles, something really simple that kind of helps center yourself a little bit that maybe doesn't eradicate what you're feeling, but maybe helps you kind of work towards a place of, of balance. Yeah. So, I mean, the simplest thing is really asking because when you are yourself, when you're going for what your heart wants, and that's a process, right. To find out, but when you're there, you're not going to have, you might have like a shitty day, but you're still motivated and disciplined because you know where you're going. So I just think we got to have like a direction. We have to have a reason in the morning and the way, you know, most people, when you ask them on the street, what do you want to do? Like, where do you, where are you going? You know, what are your goals? There's like, there's nothing. And you will have very few people that can articulate in a, in a, in a good manner, basically where they're going. And I think, so if you spend a bit of time, just as simple as this, closing your eyes and imagining what you want, maybe bringing it on, on a, on a piece of paper and just doing that over and over again, like I have to emphasize this because it's really, it's the exact, and athletes understand this, it's exactly the same thing as the physical gym. What happens if you go to the gym once a month? How much? What happens if you go once a week? You can get results if you have a good trainer, right? What happens if you go every other day? You're going to get an animal, become an animal. And so it's the same thing with this. If you have a dream and you think about it once a month, you don't give it a lot of energy. But if you think about it every day, and it doesn't need to be long, it's about consistency, you give it a lot of energy. And they say, you know, where focus goes, energy flows. And that's how we're creating. It's like a thought first, and then we're giving that more energy and we're starting to create. And like one of the simplest, and I'm sure you and the listeners have experienced that. For example, I want to buy a Tesla. I like the Tesla Model S. Don't ask me why, but I think because it's fast, zero to 100. And I like that. And I made a decision to buy one a couple, like three months ago. And trust me, now I see every freaking Tesla in Zurich. Every, every, everyone. I just let Tesla, Tesla, Tesla. Are there more Teslas than there were before? No, it's just me being focused on it. And I see them everywhere, but it's automatic. And that is beautiful. It's automatic. When you know what you want, you, you can see signs on what to do in the clouds. Because your brain is, you're not the brain, the mind is helping you. It wants you to go there, right? It wants you to reach your goal. So that's why you got to know what you want and visualizing, writing it down, asking good questions about your, your life. That, that, that would be the starting point, developing philosophy about why you're here and reading books. Just take time and, and do the work. Do you feel like people take enough time to, no. to yeah, no. for self-care? No. And um, I know that we're trying to shine more of a light onto it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just seems like something that we really just need to start working, working towards. I mean, there is that physical grind it out. We're hustlers. We work so hard. We make that money. But I think there's also like, yeah, like you said, read a book, 
Be good to yourself. Tell yourself you're doing a good job. I, honestly, I, I, that's so awesome what you just said, too. I'm going to totally steal that because the analogy that I thought, too, was just, yeah, have that mental thought in your mind. Put it at the end of the pool to just steal the sport that you used to play and just start swimming towards it. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the day, just try and try and get there. Like, I definitely make lists for myself because I get satisfaction out of crossing something. Ah, oh, you do. <laughs> ha! Scratch it off. Look at that. You're gone, yeah. baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would make me more nervous. I've been putting your name on my list for like a couple of weeks, you know, because we've been talking about finding a time and it's every week. It's just, hey, remind myself, you know, just keep, keep in touch with this guy. I want to have him on. You know what I mean? And that's been kind of my process, like through this whole thing. Okay. Yeah. See, everybody has to find his or her own way. Right. And that's that's again, this is part of you are powerful. I am powerful. Everybody is powerful. We just got to wake up to, it. you know, best what's best for you. Nobody can tell you that, by the way, when I do one-on-one coaching with my private clients, you know, a lot of them kind of ask me questions. Well, what would I do? What would I recommend? But what, what message does that send to your subconscious mind? It's like big daddy, David, tell me I'm powerless. I don't know anything. Tell me, tell me. That's the message you get. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, but see, and, and so I have to tell them that I'm here to help you be connected to your heart because that's when you can start to create what you love and it's really powerful. So we're making sure, but you're going to find the answers. I can help you. I can guide you, but I cannot like talk for you. I cannot, you know, it just, you're not a surgeon. You're not going to crack someone open, go in there and fix it and have them slap them on the butt and walk them out the hospital. But maybe you'll give them the tools to, you know, just try and work on it themselves. And honestly, when they work on it themselves and, and they, and they have that breakthrough by themselves, it's probably much more fulfilling, right? For sure. Look, if we, you know how we we hear people don't like change. Mm-hmm. It's not that people don't like change. It's they don't like being changed. Mm. Oh, and that's why they, that's what I'm saying. They got it. You got to get them to ask the question for themselves. And when they're coming with good questions, you can kind of guide them, help them see what others have done before. Right. Then their expertise comes in, but they mm. have to have the question. It's not telling them what to do. That's, and then they get into it, but like a little child, if it, the child helps, hates math, if you tell them do math, it's not going to fly. But if you make it curious, it's like, daddy, how does this work? You got it. David Karasek uh, here on the pod. Probably got one more question for you here. You've been so generous with your time, man. We could do this for hours. Maybe I can just bring you back some time and we can keep it rolling. But I do want to be very respectful of your time. My final question for you is when you came to the States, you go to the University of Virginia. What was the one food in the States that you had that blew your mind? And what was the one food in the States that still doesn't make any sense to you? That just seems ridiculous or gluttonous or, you know what I mean? Like, come on, that's not even real. Okay. So five guys. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are, yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that too. With the peanuts and all that. I was, I was definitely, I was like, wow, this is a, you know, it's a fast, chain but this is a really good burger yeah we don't get that here in in america and then so the one that doesn't make any sense hi well you know what yeah i know what like italian food in america it's terrible Ooh, go wait go a little bit further i I love to hear a little bit more about this it's i mean look my my mom is half italian half swiss so i grew pasta al dente you know like but there, lasagna everything everything tastes the same with like the meatballs and I, i don't know it was just 
Italian, I don't, I don't think I ate Italian good once, but I have to tell, I wasn't in like New York in like the high end restaurants. But if you're coming from Switzerland, which is very close to Italy, and if your mom is cooking Italian at home, that's, that's the one thing that I would never order when I was eating out, but burgers all the time. Yeah, the, there's no al dente. I mean, you have to specifically either go to a place, but yeah, it's straight up general Italian food out here, no al dente. Um, they put cheese on a ton of, like, there's like heavy, heavy, heavy cheese instead of just doing the parm kind of finish or maybe a hard shaved cheese in the end. Don't do a whole lot, a lot of that either. And um, yeah, that's interesting. What's, and my final one maybe, is there a food? What's your favorite food in Zurich right now? Or maybe that maybe we wouldn't find in the States that just they do it better in Switzerland than anybody else on the planet. I, I would say with cheese, right? We have the fondue. Uh, have you had it? I mean, I've had, I've had, I've had fondue here before and I don't, I'm not going to profess to say that it was maybe the perfect version. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I've never had it in the States to, so I can't compare, but yeah. I just know I have, Swiss friends in the States and whenever they come back from Switzerland, back to the States, they bring cheese back because I, Switzerland is famous. You know, we have happy cows, right? They're like in the mountains, they're all happy. And so they make good milk and that makes good cheese. So we have good cheese and the fondue is really good. <laughs> I just saw a field of smiling cows right now. Yeah. Uh, all just kind of winking and maybe high-fiving with their food, their hoop, yeah. stuff like that. Having a great time. That's a good picture. All, uh, all day, you know. Yeah. <laughs> David Karasek, a sports psychologist, peak performance specialist. He's the founder of the Tribe of Athletes, creator of the Powerful Athlete Program, former 2012 Swiss Olympic swimming Olympian. David, thank you so much for being on the pod, man. Also, uh, but just before you go, just tell people uh, any other way to find you on socials besides LinkedIn, way to uh, hang on to your Q&As and stuff like that and keep uh, checking out your content. Yeah. First of all, Joey, thanks for having me. You're a wonderful podcast um, host. Hi. Very talented, uh, obviously experienced and all that. So I appreciate Thank you. Uh, being on. That was very, a very nice experience. Um, people, you guys can find me on the webpage, which is thetribeofathletes.com. Keeping it very simple. And then also, if you search for Tribe of Athletes on Instagram or David Karasek, maybe easier on Instagram. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, even Facebook. Don't use it that much, but I'm everywhere. Awesome. And yeah, honestly, listeners, no bullshit. I love, I love your Q and A's, man. They're really informative. The questions are really cool. There's some variety. Obviously a lot of them do have to do a lot with sports, but, um, just really, I really love your perspectives, man. You got a supporter and a fan in me. And, uh, thank you so much for being on the pod and I'm not going to bother you, but maybe you can come back sometime and we can cut it up again on some different issues. Yeah, brother. Sounds good. Thank you so much for being on today's episode of Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Make sure you go on your mobile device because you get a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's pretty sweet. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. There are more coming next week. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always Bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.